morning. My name is Jay Rosenthal. I'm the Managing Director of Business of Cannabis. Welcome back to the Cannabis Daily Show for Wednesday, February 9th. For those of you new to Business of Cannabis since 2017, we've highlighted the companies, brands, people, and trends driving the cannabis industry. And that's what we look to do here every day. Following the rundown of the key stories we are watching today, we'll get our get to our BFC Live segment, where we'll be joined today by Lucas McCann of Can Delta. They are the official regulatory advisor of Business of Cannabis. He's going to talk us through the latest regulatory updates from Ontario. We love to hear from you in the comments, and always feel free to visit us at businessofcannabis.com, as well as through all of our social channels, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you're watching this on YouTube, please do subscribe. And if you're not watching on YouTube, Please go to YouTube and subscribe. Two updates. March 10th, B of C New York sessions will be in New York, in Brooklyn at the Williamsburg Hotel with our friends at Leafly and Vicente Setterberg. We'll be talking about connecting social equity licensees with capital. Then April 6th, we will be at Business of Cannabis Miami in South Florida for uh, Business of Cannabis Miami to talk about cannabis retail tech design and data. For today's stories, flour is still top dog, but consumer habits are changing a bit, especially in mature markets. Tilray is consolidating its medical brands. Cannabis Benchmarks takes a look at store counts in Canada. And DanCan raises another million pounds. For our first story, in its latest report, Headset conducted a deep dive into America's most popular cannabis category, flour. This, according to MJ Biz. And while it's still the most popular category, consumer appetites are shifting. Here are some of the insights from Headset. Flour is the largest product category, but sales increased by just 11.5% compared to overall cannabis sales, which grew by 18% in California, Colorado, Michigan, Nevada, Oregon, and Washington. Flour prices have dropped by about a dollar per gram. Newer markets in the Northeast are now more focused on THC potency. Retailers in more mature markets are seeing consumers shift interest away from potency and more towards terpenes and minor cannabinoids. That's great for uh, uh, producers in the sector, uh, not only in those mature markets, but in the newer markets and here in Canada as well. And importantly, pre-roll sales grew by 38.9%. So we will keep an eye on that. For our second story, after acquiring Afria last May, well, the other way around, Tilray announced it's consolidating its medical brands under one umbrella called Tilray Medical Reports Green Market Report. The details, well, Tilray launched a value lower potency brand called Symbios uh, shortly after acquiring Afria last year. Afria flour was guaranteed to test at 18% THC or higher. Afria's oils are full spectrum, while Symbioses are distillate-based. And through Tilray Medical, medical cannabis consumers can access all four brands Tilray, Afria, Broken Coast, and Symbios. For our third story, each week Business of Cannabis delivers a series of insights from our partners at Cannabis Benchmarks. And this week's Cannabis Benchmarks report reviewed Canada's recreational cannabis store count. And while the number of stores continues to climb steadily across the country, making legal cannabis more accessible to consumers, in some cases, actually increasing competition among retailers in more saturated markets, and that may be challenging for those markets or those retailers rather. Now, Cannabis Benchmark's latest count shows the number of stores open for business reached 2,980 for the end of January, 2022. That figures up by almost 1,500 stores or a jump of almost 100% compared to January, 2021. For our final story, Denmark-based medical cannabis company, DanCan Pharma raised another million pounds which will help the company bring its first products to market in 2022. This, according to BusinessCan, the company's plans include integrating with 
can grows, which they acquired for more than 15 million pounds last fall, bringing nine cultivars to market, carefully selecting among 95 options, EU GMP certification of its cultivation facility, and entering the German market. Those are the stories we're watching today. Join 10,000 others and catch all of these stories in your inbox every day at 7 a.m. with our Cannabis Daily newsletter. Coming up on our B of C Live segment, we'll connect with Lucas McCann of CanDelta. CanDelta is the official regulatory advisory of Business of Cannabis, and he'll be with us to talk about the latest regulatory news related to cannabis brands and cannabis retailers in Ontario. This is our conversation with Lucas McCann. Lucas, thanks for being. <laughs> Lucas, thanks for being here. Jay, great to see you. Uh, it's nice because we uh, get to call on you when things are going down. And this week, things are going down in Ontario. There's been new. You're going to tell me the right words, but like directives or advice from the AGCO about inducements between brands mm -hmm. and retailers. Have I have I given an okay opening? Yeah, yeah, they've they've done something a little bit simpler here they just call it rules right. rules for rules for inducement uh which we, we've kind of always had um but we've we've seen them hash things out a little bit more for people make it easier to understand and is it easier well first is it easier to understand and second what are the notable things that we should be keeping an eye on okay yeah so there's a guidance document that's come out so we have the cannabis license act in ontario um that uh has a set of standards uh contained around it that that should describe how retailers should behave themselves um so specifically to section 64 to 66 and 8.1.10 um these are our points that have to do with the agreements that um lps and retail store owners can enter into uh, so these things have been there. We've had some sort of form of this before, but how it was interpreted and where sort of the, the line of non-compliance has been, I guess, sort of poorly drawn in the sand. And people were pushing or pulling like it was it was fuzzy and people were making it fuzzier. Is that right? Like I was a if I'm an LP, I would say to you, a retailer, hey, if you give me your data, like I share you, you pay me for my data and, and I give you preferential treatment or money. Right, like it's it's yeah. We saw this in the the lottery phase many years ago, many many years ago now. Um, that's so far back in the past, I can barely remember. I was but young. We, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and and a shorter shorter haircut, I think. Then that's true. That's true. Perhaps a darker beard. <laughs> How dare you! So these uh, these agreements uh, that we saw these lottery winners entering into were these consulting agreements with big LPs. And these consulting agreements were like, we'll give you a whole bunch of money to help set up your store. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll brand it. Uh, and you just really need to sell you know, our products on 51% of your shelf space. Um, so now we've, we've sort of got some clarity here as to what is okay, you know, selling data and, and what is offside. And, 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 and is it, I assume it is clearer, but does it also um, shine the light that this was happening either outside or very close to the line already? Yeah, hundred percent. The, the AGCO is an entity that we have very close contact with. Uh, so we frequently meet with them to let them know, about a lot of the issues that we're seeing, maybe applications that could be hung up in certain stages and conversations that are happening between retailers and LPs are, are 
frequent fodder for these conversations. Back in September, they had a public consultation that they let us know about, um, that they reached out to folks in industry to get them to sort of talk about what they've been seeing in terms of inducements. So, you know, what is okay to do that? You know, we, we see this in, in media and in PR uh, and in conferences too, like swag. We've seen a lot of uh, um, rules through the Cannabis Act come up about logo sizes that have to be on t-shirts. Um, what the AGCO has done is sort of drawn a line in the sand about what kind of uh, in, inducements, if we can call them that, are okay and, and what really crosses the line and could influence buying decisions for a lot of these retailers and unfairly position some of these producers in the market. Uh, so it's really good. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's a good... Uh, it's a, a movement in, I think, the right direction. Um, there are some things that are allowed and that we're admitting now that, okay, this is something that's okay. Uh, but there are also a lot of things that were happening in the past that were totally not not kosher, if you'll let me use the term. So I will. We've, you can use it. Okay. Okay. We, we've heard rumors about LPs offering like sales incentives to bud tenders, where that if they sold the most X brand product, you know, in a week or a month, uh, the LP would uh, would throw the you know the new uh, the new Xbox or a PS5. Oh shit! Yeah, so I mean, obviously, there's things at play there, and you know, I I've walked into stores before too, and and talked to folks, and found that there is a tendency for bud tenders to bring out certain products over the counter first when they're engaging with, I think, their clientele. So is that a result of maybe some kind of conversations that happened early on that were part of their formation or training? Potentially, but now at least we have sort of a framework that retailer operators should understand. Uh, another example is uh, um, we've seen beverage fridges uh, that have been branded, branded in, within the stores, right? Or even uh, advertisements around shelf space that were dedicated to a particular brand, right? Um, so I've seen a lot of shelf space on, let's say, uh, you know, devoted to cookies, Cookies Canada. Mm -hmm. um, so now we've got certain requirements that that sort of dictate what is allowed. And uh, after a certain point, so this summer, the AGCO is really going to be enforcing this stuff. So if you have a Hexo fridge in your store, uh, you might want to consider uh, giving it back. Um, those those kinds of things are now really going to be considered offside. So maybe we can dive into some of these. Yeah, let's dive in. Because I, I mean, the, I also want to make sure we talk about, I guess, education and what sort of falls under that broad swath but also around sampling which i know is sure. a let's do sampling first if we can because that that got a thumbs up ish tell, tell me yeah. yeah yeah so free samples are allowed uh they have to be purchased from a, a retail store uh but they can be provided to staff to let staff sort of be you know on the up and up and product knowledge and you know we see similar things in the industry and in restaurants where vineyards will go to restaurants and train the the sales staff the bartenders on different wines as they come out that's great uh it's got to be you know small amounts so you know the one gram format 3.5 gram format you know we're not talking about 30 grams every time you know the the, the LP comes by for everyone in the store and uh they can't come by weekly to do something like that something like that i think would be influential to the decision but small amounts that are for sort of single use to get people on the up and up on on uh, on different products and product classes and new brands that are coming out yeah that's a lot that you're allowed to do Does, is that a is that seems like is that new or is that happening like what what's i mean i don't know were people crossing that line or is this it was it's just more clearly defined now 
Uh, well, I, I haven't heard of any stories of people giving too much products to folks, uh, but I, I've heard and I've seen lots of uh, very successful LPs driving around to retail stores, talking about their brand to, to folks that are there, buying their product there off the shelves, and then uh, even just sharing it with the folks that work there so that they have, have access to it and they become aware of it. Yeah. Um, something like that isn't necessarily going to influence to a large amount, we, we could argue, uh, buying patterns for that particular store. And that's really what the AGCO is looking for, something that's really going to tip the scales heavily uh, in the favor of 1LP. Okay. Uh, and then along with that, besides samples, you can do samples of swag. So hats, T-shirts, lanyards, uh, those kinds of uh, elements, uh, uh, brand elements that can be shared in, in terms of like clothing and, and, uh, uh, and swag. That's completely, that's completely cool too. So that can be done, not an issue there. Uh, but if you were sharing something like a PS5 with the bud tenders, um, again, that's going to be something that, that's certainly offside and would have the potential to sway someone's decision. We could, we could make that argument for sure. It might sway someone to go into the business too, to become a bud tender if they get a PS5. <laughs> yeah. It's like, a hard well, thing to get. They are the gatekeepers of these transactions and the sales. So yeah, they're a very important part of the supply chain. Bud tenders are super important, uh, especially to LPs. And it makes sense that they would want to be reaching out to them to let them know about their products, right? It does make sense. Totally. Um, yeah, so they can do things like training, lunches, uh, those kinds of of, uh, um, of of inducements are permitted. They're considered to be nominal. Uh, we're not talking about extravagant, uh, extravagant dinners at maybe a country club. Um, that would probably flag uh, or be flagged by the AGCO. But if you want to bring Subway to the, you know, for the crew and then, you know, run through a slide deck at the store, uh, that's possible. Or you can have folks tour your facility, uh, provided your facility is not in Hawaii. Right. It'll be hard, but it could be in, it could be in Vancouver. It could like, you know, it, okay. So, so it sounds to me like AGCO listened to what was going on last year or either heard about it, had a public thing and actually made some, clar some clarifications and set some lines in the sand that are now everybody can adhere to know when they're off the line, near the line, over the line. Yeah, 100%. And, uh, you know, we, we've got, I think, sort of seven take home messages or seven take home rules that are, are points that we could be referring to. Um, and we've been posting about this since this has come out. Um, so one, you know, LPs can provide uh, items that are have, you know, like a nominal value, right? So that's, uh, again, uh, part of, um, part of I, I think, the, the move away from offering beverage fridges, uh, which is obviously something that would be considerable. Uh, product samples is okay, so that's point number two. Uh, we, can, we can have agreements for retailers to sell the data back to the LPs. That's completely fine. Um, and and that's, that's a fantastic point that I also wanted to add because uh, retailers, um, in, in, in some cases, or even those um, that are holders of a research license for, for sensory, uh, could be doing just that. They could be running focus groups and uh, providing that data back to LPs. That's totally fine. That that's allowable. Um, and yeah, we're working with one uh, one retailer right now in Toronto who is doing a very very exciting um, um, space uh, to allow for sensory um, for again that that exact purpose. So providing that uh, that information to LPs, which is very exciting because the whole idea of consumption space has been around. The AGCO was on board, and then well, a whole bunch of uh, viruses were or floating around the world and that kind of shut down um, in, in person, in person, anything. So, um, so yeah, data can be sold. Um, agreements in terms of purchases cannot be entered into with, with LPs. And we saw a lot of this, like I think around the lottery time. So that's going to be a big no, no. So that's certainly something we want to avoid. Uh, advertising space can't be bought by LPs in retail stores. 
Okay. Okay. And then of course the, uh, the benefits to the employees uh, or any kind of incentives for bud tenders on sales goals is going to be offside down. No PS fives. No. Probably. That's right. No more PS fives. Um, well, at least not PS fives from the brands to the bud tenders. I assume right. if I'm an employer, I can have any incentive program I want based on they're my employer, my employees, but, but I see what you're saying in terms of brands. Well, yeah, technically the AGCO doesn't want anything that's uh, tied to sales performance Ever. to be, to, yeah, to be tied to, to employees and, 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 and benefits. So uh, recommend uh, staying, staying clear of that one. So might need to look for other metrics. <laughs> I, I think I will. Um, and certainly if someone wants to give me a PS5, I'm, I'm open to that. I think I've, I have a very, uh, I, I have teenage kids. They, they would certainly like that. Um, let me ask you a question, sort of zooming out a bit. I mean, I, obviously we're talking about the AGCO. We're talking about what's happening here in Ontario retailers brands. Do, do you think this is a model that other regulators in Canada, be it Health Canada or other provinces, are looking at this saying, look, now that we've been this for a while, we see what's actually happening on the ground. We see things we may like or dislike or want to encourage or discourage and actually come out with these sort of guiding principles over time that help clarify the relationships between brands, retailers, retailers, their employees, the industry to itself. Like, are you, do you think this is a, you know, tweaking a trend uh, that we might see sort of in 2022 or beyond? Yeah, I mean, obviously rules are in place uh, because someone has sort of uh, crossed the line on some of these things. And, you know, I've definitely been seeing a lot of that. Uh, but I think what's important here is how this is going to set up uh, smaller companies like Micros up for success. Uh, they clearly don't have the same capital in the deep pockets to be able to throw money around at retailers to get their attention. Um, they're using much more grassroots techniques. So having more of an even playing field, I think, for these folks is really going to make it easier and more accessible uh, in terms of getting micro brands onto store shelves. So from that point, like I, I definitely applaud the AGCO at bringing this down the pipe. Uh, I think that's going to do a lot to help small business. This has been really enlightening. I appreciate you doing the deep dive, sharing the deep dive with the Business of Cannabis audience and with us. And uh, we'll put links, A, to how to get in touch with you, but also sort of the, the seven points you guys have been pointing out and the links to the actual documents in the AGCO. Thank you, Lucas, as always. We look forward to connecting with you down the road and uh, thanks for your uh, deep dive. Yeah, thanks. And oh, one thing I forgot also to mention, branded products are also going to be not allowed to for retailers. So well, I'm um, a retailer. I can't have Jay Rosenthal cannabis in my own store. That's right. Unless you've already made a whole bunch, then you can sell whatever you have in your inventory and then that's it. Sorry, thanks. man. That doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. And, and But we'll dive into that some other time about how that is contrary to what is actually good business and all the rest but definitely one we didn't see coming so let's just throw that into the mix fair enough fair enough um we shall talk to you soon and we'll get back to that point down the road thanks lucas thanks jay take it easy that was episode 24 of cannabis daily thank you for joining us if you're on youtube please do subscribe if you're not watching on youtube please go there and subscribe we will see you tomorrow